Welcome back to the Whole Person Podcast. I am your host, Evan Herman. And if you are a man who is looking to build a better life, then you have accidentally fallen onto the right podcast because we are about learning how to live a life of significance in areas that matter most. And so today, we're going to talk to our friend, Mark Delaney, about what it means to live in and with freedom. And that's kind of arbitrary. What specifically are we talking about with freedom? Well, we're talking about the freedom of your purpose, the calling, the gifts, the talents that you have on your life and how to flow consistently in them. I don't know about you, but I have often felt stuck in my life and not quite doing the things that I had hoped that I would be doing. And so if you're like me at all and you feel stuck, and you want to have a sense of purpose and freedom in life, then you're not going to want to miss this show. Like I said, we're having Mark Delaney here on the podcast today, and Mark is a purpose-driven individual who helps men just like you and I find and live out our purposes. So Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Evan. It's a pleasure, and I'm greatly looking forward to this. The topic of freedom like you began with, it's like, okay, so what exactly is freedom? We sure love uh, the word. We'd love it being uh, the topic being our movies. We love yes. William Wallace because of freedom. But how do I embody what that really is? Um, I, I So I love that topic. I was at a men's group a while back. And they were singing a song in this men's group that a couple of the lines is, this is what freedom feels like. And I looked around the room and there's about 50 men singing this song and it was in the morning. And let me just say, if that's what freedom feels like and looks like, it didn't look good at all. Yeah. It did not look like freedom. And so what does freedom feel like and look like? I, um, when I think about freedom, I think about the capability that little children have to be so bold. I, I think about when I was a five-year-old boy around that age and getting out of the bathtub and and looking at that at that bath towel, drying myself off and thinking, this is no towel. This is a cape. And I recall standing in the mirror with that caper on my neck. And here I am, five years old. I've done nothing to benefit society. I've made messes and noises for five years. Yet somehow I look at myself and I'm like, man. You're the hero I'm of your somebody. story. Yeah, like, let's go. And I think that's what freedom, that image is um, what I want to embody, even as a 52-year-old man. And and I'm so I'm so excited because I feel like in the last five years of my life, I've become that five-year-old boy in a 52-year-old version now. But that little boy is living out in my life instead of just being hidden away in some corner in my heart. So what does that process of becoming free? and intentional about living in a purpose look like 
Well, I think to to embody this sense of freedom, I do think answering the question of purpose is critical. Otherwise, purpose can can become this lifelong search for purpose. Like you have to be able to to kind of put your hands to purpose to embody it. Uh, and so so clarifying our purpose enables us to stop searching for purpose. It's got to be something that we feel like we're living out. And so if if I'm not if I'm not knowing my purpose, how can I be doing my purpose? That's why clarifying it's so important. So that's the first thing I would say about this process is knowing your purpose. Um, secondly would be re- the relationships in our life. Because many people have a hard time. We really get stuck in life because our relationships are stuck. There's a, a Harvard grant study that's gone on for 80 plus years now. And they in this study, over 80 years ago, they took 80 uh, teenagers, 40 went to Harvard and 40 didn't even go to college at all. And they tracked their lives to, to look at uh, long-term health and longevity. And what 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 causes it? What enables people to live out a life with long-term health and longevity? And what they found was the most fundamental aspect that made the difference was quality of relationships. Mm. Our relationships have such capability of forming and fashioning our lives the people that we know and certainly the most intimate relationships in our life those people can they can get the people in our life can can give us the courage to wear that cape of purpose and freedom or they can stifle us and cause us to metaphorically speaking use that cape as a cover-up to cover ourselves. And so the relationships have such a powerful component in our lives. I, I would say this, I don't know how anyone lives a, pow- a truly powerful, fulfilling life without having powerful, fulfilling relationships. I don't know how it's done. One of my favorite quotes is by the man, Jim Rohn, He says, you are the average of the five closest people in your life. And it goes Mm -hmm. back to what you're saying. It means that you are the average. Your life will be the average of those that are closest around you. And within that process, you know, we can't always pick and choose uh, where you were born into and the relationships that stem from that but you can choose how those relationships and the boundaries as you grow as an adult affect your life. Yeah. So here's the next question that I have for you, Mark. For the guy who wakes up every day, goes to work, comes home, rinse, repeat, how does he get clarity of purpose beyond just surviving and living and providing? Yeah. Well, you're asking the right question 
in this question, it, the man must face this. I'm telling you, the guy who wakes up and lives the life you just described is probably going to end up uh, in a very dark place. And it will manifest itself in something like gambling, drinking, uh, having an affair, depression, so on and so forth. Because I don't think the human being is made to be able to do that. I don't think that we're made to live a life without a real sense of meaning and purpose. I don't think we're capable of it. I, I don't know that we are made to be people that, you know, just suck it up. Take one for the team every day for the rest of your life. I think we're made to live with this sense of freedom. <clears throat> How does someone find it? Well, uh, if we had about eight hours, I'd love to walk through the whole process we take people through on this. Uh, in, in the Purpose Mastermind that we do, we have four meetings where we talk about the mindsets that prevent us from knowing our purpose. And one of them we talk about is the confusing mindset that we think our job is our purpose. Yeah. If we think our job is our purpose, we'll keep searching for a right job that gives us a purpose. But jobs don't give us purpose. We bring our purpose to our job. Purpose is something within us. It's not a job we find outside of us. Now, when a person knows their purpose, and it takes, it's it's a two-month journey. It's an eight-week thing we take people through. When people then know their purpose, then we encourage people to find a job that allows you to embody what that purpose is. Because I don't think every job enables us to embody our purpose. I like to help people. So if I worked a job that put me at a computer and I didn't get to do anything with real live humans, that would suck the life out of me. I wouldn't be able to do that. So uh, clarifying one's purpose, there's, there's, there again, there's four things that we go through that are confusing mindsets that keep us from our purpose. A common one for men is that my job is my purpose. And as long as we think that way, we're looking the wrong way for purpose. Purpose is not something that we find outside of us. It's something that's clarified inside of us. And once I have that clarified inside of me, I build a life that enables me to embody it outside of me. But it's clarified inside of me first and then embodied outside of me. I, I begin to take it to all that I do. But it's the perfect question. The, the cycle that many, um, what I find many people take, the cycle is, we live without purpose, which causes us to drift into dark places, usually dark places of behavior, mm -hmm. which leads to things like addiction. And then we live to solve that problem of addiction when really the it's not a problem of addiction. It's the problem, it's a problem of absence of meaningfulness. 
a person that lives in a life void of fulfillment will need some kind of fake substance to make up for that emptiness. And then it becomes horrifying when the person thinks that their uh, what they need to do is stop their addiction. What they need to do is start their purpose. I'll give an example of this. A young man reached out to me about three months ago. He's in his young 30s. And over the course of a year, he was becoming an alcoholic. He had been to the hospital because he drank too much and people are telling him he needs to start going to, to AA. And he reached out to me in our first conversation. He simply said this sentence, I don't know how I got here. And so I asked some questions about his life and, and long story short, ages about 16 to about 30, he had this job that he had pursued at all different levels, all the way from being an intern to being a business owner. And he had this occupation that enabled him to have a high sense of camaraderie and a high sense of purpose almost every single day, literally. At age 30, uh, because of where his life was at with now, uh, now some little kids in his house that he and his wife uh, have, he decided the business was taking too much time. And so he sold that business and he got a job that was a, for him, you call it, he was just, he said, it's a corporate job. He works three or four days a week and it's 12 hour shifts. And he said, every time I walk out, I say to myself, well, there's 12 hours of wasted life. Guess what that job didn't guess what that job did not give him at all. Any sense of camaraderie. Yes, it gave there, there was no sense of purpose, and there was also no camaraderie within this corporate job. So, if a man goes from a high sense of camaraderie and a high sense of purpose to no sense of camaraderie, no sense of purpose, how do you not drink? How do you not turn to a drug? How do you not start gambling? I would say that the human being almost has to. If if you if if a person it, it does is not able to live out these cornerstone issues of the heart, like living a life where you feel like what you are doing matters, living a life where you have these compelling relationships, if you can take that from a human, you've taken everything that matters. And I think from that place, I don't know how a human doesn't become greatly disturbed within themselves. And then that leads to the dark things of depression and addiction and other behavior issues. And then the cycle is, let's fix that behavior the behavior is not the problem. It's the loss of purpose, the loss of real love and, and, and community is the problem. So for that man, it was good news. In his extra time, he got back to doing these things 
with friends. He kept his job. Was, this was a couple months ago. Right now, he still has that job, but he's doing something with all that spare time of his life that's giving him once again a lot of camaraderie and a lot of sense of mission. He's in his shed building this thing that was on his heart to build, and he's building this thing, and he stopped drinking. We never, him and I never, we never talked about how do I help you stop drinking? Because drinking wasn't the problem. It wasn't the substance he was drinking that was hurting him. It was his absence of substance that was causing him to drink. When he got back to living out with a sense of mission, he didn't need to drink. How does the everyday guy who doesn't have a Mark Delaney in their life take two steps forward in discovering what purpose or mission is in their life? What questions can they ask themselves to get them going on that journey? And then I will mm -hmm. share with you mine. Mm. Um. Well, I would, I would start by just encouraging anyone listening to this that if you're struggling with this, it is every human struggle. It is every human being's struggle. And if you're facing this struggle, it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because this is this may be life's greatest battle. So if you're facing this, realize that this doesn't mean that you've missed it. It just means that you want it. And but but the longer you struggle with, you're probably going to need some help getting there. And I think having some conversations, I think a common man can have a conversation with a common man about things like this that help. Like, why not go have a conversation with a friend where the question is asked, brother, how do you think a person knows their purpose? Like, talk to a common friend about it. Uh, most people, frankly, this question is so real and so deep that we're afraid, we're afraid to talk about it. So I would just say, everyone faces this. The most bold, the most courageous, the most loving people fight for it. Instead of hiding it away and chasing after entertainment, chasing something to numb the pain, the most bold, courageous people decide, you know what? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight this thing. We provide, fortunately. You say, what if they don't have Mark Delaney in their life? I think there's a lot of Mark Delaney's out there. I'm, I'm, I'm just a very common man that has fought a fight that I think everyone faces. And I've found a place of triumph in it. There are people out there just like me that can help you on this journey. Go find that person for you. And take that journey. That's what I would recommend. 
I, I do not think that someone should should venture into answering this ultimate question on their own. I do not I do not recommend that because I don't think anything important in life should be done on our own. So therapy time for Evan here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Struggling with this idea of purpose. I personally have often made my purpose based off of what I do, not who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard a saying years ago, who you are, is more important than what you do. Yeah. And even now I'm in this toil in this wrestling moment in my life where it feels like everything I'm touching isn't producing what I want to see happen. And I'm not saying I'm more unique or different, but at least in my situation, what I've learned is I've been trying to do a lot of things in my own effort. Mm. In my own way. While good intentioned, not submitting it through the process and relationship through Jesus. And so what I've realized is if there's this pyramid that I am trying to say life's on top, me's on the bottom uh, left corner, and then God is on the bottom right. I am trying to go to life and conquer it without first going through God. Like I have a relationship with God. I pray. I, I you know do my Christian duties, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between trying in your own strength And then actually doing it in what I would call an anointing. And what I mean by that is not not only are you living out the purpose and you're doing something, but then God's hand is also on it. And I'm working towards living in that area of my life because I've, Mm. even within ministry, I've tried to do it in my own strength. Even in my own relationship with God, I've tried to do it in my own strength. Mm -hmm. And so right now I'm on this journey of surrendering everything in relationship with Jesus. And then from there being sent out. And Mm -hmm. I think what that looks like in our life And what I feel like Western Christianity has really gotten away from is this process of sanctification. It's this process of holiness. We've been made holy because Jesus died on the cross. But there's also this part of a renewing of our hearts and minds where the things of the flesh, the things of this world tend to fall away and out of greater relationship with Christ, we have a transformation more into his image. And then out of that image, we live life. And that is the process that I feel like I'm currently in. 
And I feel like that's where a large toil happens between men and men's heart. And it will always be there. Because while we are sanctified because Christ died on the cross, we're currently being sanctified in our relationship with him, but we're not going to be fully sanctified until our physical body passes away and we enter into eternity. Mm -hmm. But in this process of I've been, I'm currently being, and I'm not yet, and I will be, that in-between stage, the the dying of one's self is a very hard process. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people enter into it. And so how do we relate that process in with purpose? And so, so answer that, but then also I have a scripture that I want to read that has been really helpful. You, you brought up a very significant or deep topic. Ultimately, I think that, because I've been a Christian since I was a little boy, but I wouldn't say I was a free man, even as a Christian, in terms of how to embody that and live it out. Most of my life, I was trying to fix myself with God. I was trying to, it felt like the, it felt like the most important thing I could do is get rid of the sin in my life. And as long as I was focused on that, I was not able to live out my life in Christ. It's like my focus was on trying to crucify my flesh instead of focusing on living out the spirit. The scripture says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, I had it backwards. I'm going to fix my flesh so that I can walk in the spirit. And there's no power there. Many Christian men are on a long-term journey of fixing themselves before God instead of living out the life that God has made possible for them. Even many men's groups are developed to help men overcome problems, not know their purpose in Christ and live it out boldly. I have grandchildren now, and so it's made me even more bold. I don't want my grandchildren to grow up and try to fix themselves in a biblical kind of way, not in a selfish kind of way. I want them to bold pursue the life that God has designed for them. I do not want them to wake up and try to fix their flesh. I want them to walk out and live boldly in the spirit. I think that our I think that our first Christian duty is loving other people well, not getting myself cleaned up well. And as I love people well, that's the process that does the sanctifying work in me. It because I can't love people without selfishness being eradicated slowly. And so I, I believe that I've talked to uh, 
I talked to a man the other day and he said, you know, I need, I need to spend more time with God to get closer to him. And when he said that, it just, it hit something inside of me because my whole life being raised in the church, I always felt like I'm not spending enough time with God. And it felt like this constant judgment that I lived my life under. And instead of looking out to look at my life and think, okay, how can I be a blessing today? I more so looked at my life and lived under this cloud thinking, well, I can't be a blessing. I didn't spend enough time with God today. And I told him, I said, you know, I don't spend time with God to get close to him. I don't do that anymore. I spend time with God because he has made himself close to me. This great redemption enables me to have this relationship with God where I don't wake up to judge myself, but to boldly live out who he's made me to be. So many, many well-meaning faith-based men are struggling to do anything with their life because all they're trying to do is fix themselves. Yeah. And how do you how do you go if with that kind of mental perspective, how does a person do anything with their life when they're constantly just trying to fix themselves? You know, I I love what this topic is because I have a term that I feel like I've made up. I don't know. I've never heard it before. I call it biblical personal growth because my entire life I've fallen into that first category where I've tried to fix myself and learn personal growth principles. And as I've gotten older, I've noticed some of these aren't actually solid teachings to follow. And then I saw a large majority of them actually have biblical backing. But at the end of the day, I'm not the one that can fix myself. At the end of the day, it is only a transformation moment through experiencing relationship with Jesus that I feel like one can truly change. And that's what biblical personal growth is. It's where we are transformed into the image of Jesus by relationship with Jesus and that we get to live that out through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a component that I think is commonly missed in this. Uh, really, really, we're talking about personal growth. Aren't we really talking about becoming the person God's made me to be? I mean, isn't that really the goal of it? It's just living out and being the person God made me to be. There is a, if you think about Adam and Eve before the fall, Adam and Eve had a, a such a freedom that scripture says they were naked and unashamed yeah. before God and before each other. At the fall of man, we find the immediate loss of all of that. Now they're, now they're hiding from God and they're covering each covering up from each other because they are so the fall of man was the loss of was the loss of my relationship with god and my relationship with others 
much of our redemption, I, I believe that our redemption is, is receiving the capability for a human being to be restored to all of it again. That, that our redemption is not just that I can be right with, with God again, but redemption is I can be who I was made to be with other people again. And that, that so, and you think about what, what Jesus talked about. Jesus was always speaking so boldly about what we do with people. Always speaking so boldly about that. Made some very, very strong statements. Even when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? How simple would it be for him to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart? And stop right there. Nobody on planet Earth is going to say, well, that's the wrong statement. It's That sounds like the perfect statement. When asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? He did not disconnect loving God and loving people. And so many people, frankly, it's probably, this is going to sound like heresy. It's probably more spiritual to pursue each other than to pursue God. Because pursuing other people may be the best way that we pursue God. And I know that's not quite well, biblically. I Here's why I disagree with what you're saying. Hmm? I think it's more biblical than what you think. Turn to Matthew 25, towards the end of the chapter, where... Jesus talks about as surely as you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. Where he's talking yes. about when did you give me a coat? When did you ever feed me? When did you ever see me yep. in prison? They go, Lord, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry? When did we ever see you thirsty? When did we ever see you trapped and in prison? And then he says, as surely as you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. Mm -hmm. And I fully believe that one way to pursue Jesus is to pursue loving others yeah I, I i i totally agree um it's probably you know most most people need to live out their purpose for people more than they need to pray more to god the point of the gospel is not that we become amazing at prayer, the prayer is certainly a component of living. The goal is that we become a light in a dark world to people. Yeah. And so it's so for so many people, and this was me for so many years, I couldn't be a bright light in the dark world because I was too busy trying to fix myself. I couldn't be a bright light in the dark world until my daily devotions were better. And I judged myself by the quality of my daily devotions and would allow myself to kind of live with a bag over my head with people because I wasn't doing well enough with God. And I feel like God is always pointing us to people. This is why I talked about earlier one of the most fundamental aspects of living in freedom is living in freedom with people. Most people have relationships where no one's living in freedom. We're kind of faking our way through it. We're not really 
we're not really free with each other. I, I think that that freedom is certainly a biblical word, uh, and and for us to live a free life, where the spirit of the Lord so is, there it, is freedom. Yeah, and without a doubt, part of that freedom is the ability to live free with people, to be once again naked and unashamed with people. It's a powerful, powerful thing, and if. I think that our relationship with God almost works congruently with our relationship with others. For instance, we work with couples, and and sometimes you'll have many times you'll have situations with faith faith based couples where they'll go to church and love the message of surrender and raise their hands and surrender. And talk greatly about about living boldly for God, but they walk out of church, and they don't have the ability to live that out with each other. Well, what is the point of the gospel if I can't live it out with those closest to me? And so there's that disconnect where we can try to pursue God greatly, but if we can't pursue boldly a love relationship with those in our life, how can we say that we understand God well when we can't love other people well? And so our personal relationships are so impacting in us living out this this sense of freedom. My wife and I, well, we've had a good marriage, but for some years it was kind of dry because although I was wanting to walk with God I and humbly walk with God, I struggled to humbly walk with her. And what that meant was in my life was I was unwilling to talk about weakness with her. I wouldn't, I wouldn't share weakness with my wife. When I learned, when I humbled myself to the point that I didn't just tell myself before God, I humbled myself before my wife and was willing to talk about weakness. That opened up our relationship, and our relationship began to abound in freedom like never before. Mm. So this freedom, uh, this freedom that we have in Christ it manifests itself in a freedom that we have with people. It was the same with my friendships. I I used to have a lot of acquaintances, but not really life-giving friends. It's because I was a man living with a facade. I wasn't really honest about me. When I became honest about me, then my relationships took off. And now I have these real friendships that have the component of freedom and purpose. And it's a whole different uh, whole different dimension. I would say it this way. I spent much of my life trying to teach people redemption. When I became honest with myself and vulnerable, I began to experience for myself redemption 
to a degree that I used to only talk about it, I now began to experience it. These are heavy topics. I appreciate the fact that uh, on your podcast, you have the guts to go to the, the deepest of places. Uh, well, thank you, Mark, for coming on. And if people want to get in touch with you, where can they get in touch? Yeah, they can email me, mark at markdelaney.me. They can all go to, also go to my website, markdelaney.com. Uh, we're always looking for ways of um, helping people clarify their purpose, but also be able to overcome the obstacles that keep them from it. And so we do this in several ways. We do this on Zoom with groups of people around the country. We do this one-on-one. -on -one. Um, we also do this in men's groups in my local community in Tulsa. And um, so we're always looking for ways to help people. And I'd, I'd like to give your audience something with uh, zero strings attached. I don't I don't even want an email list. I don't want, no one is going to get it on my email list. I want people to just simply get some help. Uh, sp specifically for fathers, being able to be confident as a father is so huge. So I put together a video course called How to Be a Confident Father. And anyone out there that wants this, I want them to just have it. Um, you can put the link in the show notes, the, the coupon code, um, is going to be the word father and they get it totally free. Um, and they're not going to be added to an email list. So they're not going to get, you know, I'm not going to even follow up with them. I just want people to have this, uh, to help their lives. So yeah, we're, we're, you know, one of our favorite ways to help people is when people bring us to them. If yeah. people have a group of friends or a even a business or a church group, and you say, "Hey, will you come do do what you do at our place?" Then we go and do that. And when there's groups of people, the cost is is a uh, very very uh, very very low cost when you get a group of people involved. So that's how we like to help people. Well, as we end the show, I want to encourage all of our listeners with this scripture. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I'm glad to boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults and in hardship, persecution and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Love it. It's okay to be weak because yeah. in Christ, we are made strong through his power, mm -hmm. through his spirit. We love you. Thank you so much for listening today. And if you haven't already, go to Facebook and look for the Facebook group the whole person project and add yourself to the group. We'd love to have you a part of our community of men that are leaning in towards Jesus to live out what it means to be a whole person. Thank you so much. Take care. God bless.